Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky happy thanksgiving everybody on this special thanksgiving edition of the united soccer coaches podcast with the world cup going on i talked to a man who made three world cup teams in 1990 94 and 2002 he won an mls cup he won a u.s open cup and he's arguably one of the best soccer analysts out there. You can hear him almost every day on Counterattack Sirius XM 157 talking about the super talented, iconic U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, Tony Miola. Thankful for Tony Miola and thankful for all of you. We visit with Tony Miola after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I am Dean Linky. It is presented by League Apps, and this is our Thanksgiving edition, where we have one very special guest, the great U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, three times in the World Cup. He's won MLS Cups. The man has done it all, and he now can be found on Counterattack Sirius XM 157, you can also catch him on broadcasts everywhere as well. The great Tony Miola. Tony, welcome to our special Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks, Dean. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah, we're recording this right after the USA-Wales game. And, Tony, I feel a little bit beaten down by that game. I felt like the USA left a couple points on the table. How do you feel? Yeah, no doubt. I think, um, you know, going up 1-0, playing as well as you did in the first half, um, probably – uh, left those points for me in the first half. Clearly not a great tackle by Walker Zimmerman, not a great decision to go into the tackle, but I think you, when you, uh, when you look at, when, when you have periods in the game where you dominate, you have to get more than, than what they got. You have to create more chances than what you got. And and I thought um, the substitute put Kiefer Moore up top. We we've spoken about it for, you know, a month now about Kiefer Moore and how dangerous he could be up top. And I think there's a lot of Welsh fans who are a little bit surprised that Kiefer Moore doesn't start all the time with that particular group. Um, but he really changed the face of the game. He was a focal point and um, we didn't deal, we didn't deal great with knockdowns and things like that. And it looked like we ran out of gas a little bit in the second half. And of course, everyone's always going to question substitutions and patterns and all of that stuff. But I still think that it's disappointing. Um, you're you're a smart player, or, or I don't know to call a smart player a dumb play. You're a tackle away from from not being in that position where you give up a penalty kick. So 
now there's, um, you know, the battle is on. I, I just always wonder, we're, we're so reactionary in all of these games that we do. And we always are. We are as players. We are as pundits. We are as fans. Um, if you would have sold fans a 1-1 result like a month ago, would they have taken it? You know, not not seeing anything. But this one feels a little bit like you lost some points because you were up and, and playing fairly well. So now there's some work to do. Really tough English side coming up before you play Iran. And, and I always thought that if the U.S. qualified, it would take three games. It wouldn't be in this group a two-game thing where you qualify. Um, and that's what it's going to be. We're with Tony Miola, of course, on Friday. They do play England, and you already touched on it. Is it too tough of a task, or can we get a point out of that game? I was just doing my show with Eric Winalda, who all your listeners, I'm sure, know, and we were part of uh, drawing against Switzerland in 1994 and then playing the team that even Pele thought was going to win the World Cup, you know, in Colombia, you know. And, and we, I, I'm thinking that our – sort of position, if you will. I don't know about ranking, but people people thought that we were a lot further away from Colombia at that point, as far as where they were sort of um, in stature in world football than our U.S. team is from England. I think they're probably a little bit closer. We didn't have guys playing against all of these guys every single week. So, but it's, I just think it's, no matter what, you got to go and play, right? Um, you you have to play. You, you you certainly think no matter what happens, um, you, you're going to have to beat Iran, right? That's the game. You're going to have to pick up three points. Somewhere along the way, you got to pick up three points. And I think that's why today the game stings a little bit, right? Because you think you have three points in the bag, but it's the World Cup. And uh, I suppose as much as we can criticize any performance or decision or anything we should probably give Wales a little bit of credit right they haven't been in a world cup for 64 years <laughs> and they get their first result today and it comes of all people through Gareth Bale who not only draws the penalty and then scores the penalty um but all in all I think um disappointing uh and, but you're still in the tournament right so that that's I think how you have to approach it we're here with Tony Miola. Tony, it's hard to believe that 1990, I was trying to figure it out. So that's 32 years ago, right? 32 years ago, you were in goal at Italy. Take me back there now that we're into this 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Take me back to what that was like. I know we've done it before, but I love doing it every time. And you were kind of front and center. You knew what you were doing with the mullet. You knew what you were doing with Royce. You, you kind of had it going on. You were a step ahead of the game, I'd say, Tony. Do you remember that time? Yeah, thankfully there wasn't Twitter around at that time because we got <laughs> waxed in that first game five one. We were we were naive, we were young, we didn't approach it right. We had the red card from from Eric Winaldo. Like that, everything kind of went wrong on on a day, you know. And I I can't imagine what the reaction would have been, but yeah, I remember it. It was um you know there's stepping stones in your career, right? There's there's things that you you build on, and uh, that was one of them. And I'd like to think it's easy now looking back on it. I'd like to think that 1990 was a bit of a stepping stone for the U S men's national team, not having been there for 40 years and getting to the world cup and then learning some lessons, not only on the field, but off the field. And then 1994 was a sort of a better version of us, uh, you know, in, in the U S so, you know, I, as much as I think that this team is, and I've said this since we didn't qualify in 2018, as much as I 
think that this team is still built for 2026. There's still a lot of things that this team can do in this World Cup. But but I, I relate back to those days you're talking about, and you sometimes just have to take some steps. You have to you have to you know pick up a couple of bruises along the way to kind of figure out where you're you know where you're going, if you will. Um, and that team in 1990, that was a special group of players that I can't even imagine. The, the, the when when you think about the idea that some of those guys weren't playing professionally every day, I mean, we're arguing about now about how come this guy stays at Chelsea and doesn't go to Real Madrid and this guy's at Dortmund and doesn't go, you know, like thinking we were back then we were like, where can we find, you know, there were some guys and I was lucky. I was at least in college training every single day. There were some guys had nowhere to train. They didn't have teams. And um, so when you think about how amazing that is, it's just, it's, I know it's a different time, but that wouldn't happen uh, anywhere in the world. Um, so that group of players um, hopefully still holds a special place in uh, the soccer, uh, you know, sort of uh, hearts of, uh, of American fans. Well, certainly you captured the attention of the American fans in the 94 World Cup when you were the captain, Tony. I don't think people always remember that, that you were the captain of that team under a new coach in Bora. It's a big deal to be the captain. What do you remember about Bora coming to you to be the captain of that team when the World Cup is held in this country, I think that's a great honor. There really wasn't much of a discussion. I think for Bora, um, I was kind of the link between guys that were in Mission Viejo playing, you know, that group of players that stayed here and trained for a year and a half in Mission Viejo and played, you know, however many games we played, and the guys that were in Europe, because I'd, I had been with some of those guys throughout, you know, 1990, throughout some qualifying, then at the World Cup, and um, I was kind of the link. And much too probably uh, people surprised. I, I think um, it was the um, it was the formula for not having to speak to Bor every day because he didn't really speak to his captains <laughs> on, <laughs> on the team. So I, I think we both had a mutual respect. I've seen him since, and he's he's a couple times you know talked about that team and how how we came together. And he has actually said thank you to me for it was a tough task bringing guys in late and having guys work for a year and a half at Mission Viejo and then having to release those guys. And yeah, it was, it was certainly an honor. Um, when you think about just the number of world cups there have been, obviously there's been a lot of captains, but how many guys have been able to captain a team at the world cup uh, in their home country? There's not a lot of people in that category. So um, yeah, it'll always be a, a special moment for sure. We're going to ask Tony more about that 94 team right after this. Tony Miola on the Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Register now for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. From January 11th through the 15th, connect with your soccer coaching community and experience all United Soccer Coaches has to offer in one place. Enhance your coaching resume by attending over 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors. In addition to meal functions, award ceremonies, and a huge exhibit hall offering the latest in coaching tech, equipment, and more. Register before the December 15th Price increase at UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma 
will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve level one accreditation as an applied performance analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the master course schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. It's not too late to get your program recognized for the 2022-23 season. Register now for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program to enhance your coaching experience with educational offerings, general liability insurance, and awards and rankings eligibility for you and your players. The College Services Program serves to support you and your coaches, recognize your students' amazing efforts on the field and in the classroom, and advocate for meaningful change that protects our coaches and players. Register today by visiting unitedsoccercoaches.org backslash college. Welcome back to the Thanksgiving edition. We're joined by uh, probably my favorite player ever, Tony Miola, the great goalkeeper, the captain of the 94 team. And when we went to break, we were talking about you being captain. You know, a lot of people talk about Tim Howard as being one of the greatest goalkeepers. But in that era where I was coming up with the 92 Olympic team and the 94 team, there was Tony Miola, Brad Frito, and Casey Keller. And yeah, Tim Howard is phenomenal, but to have three goalkeepers at that level, Tony, what do you remember about that? Because all three of you were fantastic. What I remember was that, I can't speak for them, but I wouldn't have been able to survive without them because they were guys that, that pushed me every day. You know, I think sometimes when you don't have somebody always pushing you, you get complacent and, you know, Casey for... The, you know, the 90 World Cup and Brad for 94 and, and moving forward. I had both of them on my team. Um, I was pushing them in 2002. Um, so we spent a, an awful lot of years together. You know, uh, again, I, I just think we all made each other better. Um, and that was, your, you know, when you're, when you're in a competition, you, you clearly want to come out on top, right? And that's, that's what we're here to do. And I think every day when we train, that's the way we trained. Um, when we had opportunities to play games, we realized that this could be the, the moment that a coach makes a decision on you rather than the next guy. And I, I think it worked for, at least for me, and, I, and I've spoken to Casey recently actually about it. I've never really had the conversation with Brad, but you know, he has said, yeah, well, I, I needed that. Um, and I feel the same way. Like I needed it. I needed to be pushed. I needed to sort of have a goal. Also, when you're, you get better when you play with better players, right? And, and in my case, training every day with guys that are good and learning different things. And I think if you're in that position, um, you know, my son, my youngest is in that position at Oklahoma State playing baseball. And I tell him all the time, you're around great players. Like you, if you don't learn from this, then you're missing out on something. You know, you're, you, I get you need to compete. There's no doubt about it. You're there to play. You're there to be the, the, the number one guy uh, in your position. Um, but you're also around some other great players, learn training habits, what they do on the field that helps you, what they do off the field that helps you, how they think about the game, all of those things. It's so, so, so important. I think, unfortunately, at the youth level now, what we see in this country is the minute that someone's there pushing you, you just go to the next club and you try and make it over there. You know, we, we didn't have any of those. My parents weren't driving out of Kearney to, to, because I wasn't playing before a guy by the name of Chris Pete, who was four years older than me, and I'm sitting on the bench and 
there was no like, okay, well, let's go to the next club. You know, it didn't exist. They're like, no, 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 you're going to stick around and you're going to wait your turn and you're going to, you're going to try and be better than this guy, you know, and that's, and, and there's some real lessons in that for sure. So, yeah, I mean, those, those guys, you, you mentioned some names in there. Those are, those are top, uh, top quality goalkeepers and, and, and people. Tony, is it true that your senior year in high school, you did not play in goal, you played center forward? Is that accurate? Yeah, I didn't. Um, as a matter of fact, Sal Rosemilia, who you're actually covering his son at Rutgers, uh, who's my best friend, he was an all-state goalkeeper as well. And sort of on the eve of the, the, the high school season starting, um, our center forward, who was probably a first-team all-state center forward, ends up getting in a car accident and couldn't play all year and we're like three days from our senior year which we're supposed to be really really good you know and we're gonna we're at top of the state and all that stuff and he he gets in this unfortunate accident that he couldn't play all year and our coach was like uh was like hey we we need someone to play center for i'm like oh, i'll do it <laughs> like, and i'm sure he was like well I'm like, what qualifications do you have to do it? You know, <laughs> I played with my buddies on the street, you know, I know how to kick a ball and um, ended up leading the state and scoring in my senior year in high school. But that, that really had nothing to do with me. It was all the guys around me. We scored so many, so many dang goals. Uh, um, yeah. But, but, but a learning experience. And I think as I got older, one of the things that people recognized in my game was that I was good with my feet. I go back to those days when I started doing that. And then it became a habit for me, not that I played center forward, but I would play in trainings and make sure. And then eventually in 94, and this is like six or seven years before the rule changed in 94. I was kind of preparing myself. I had no idea I was preparing myself because we didn't know the rule was going to change. So it helped me down the road for sure. You mentioned down the road and you mentioned the 2002 World Cup. And Tony, I don't feel like you get enough credit for making that team, right? 90, 94, you're a big time celebrity. You kind of dabbled in different things. You're out of the 98 team, which was probably a good thing because that was probably our worst performance in a World Cup, if I remember correctly. And you got back in. Can you talk about that journey to get back in and make that team not as the starter, but to be on that team? Yeah, it became a mission um, when I didn't make the 98 team uh, because, you know, Steve Sampson had said that he, he, I wasn't, I wasn't a big goalkeeper. He wanted big goalkeepers and, you know, it kind of became a mission. Um, league had just started. I played well in 96 and 97, uh, well enough I thought to be on that team, but of course, of course, the manager makes decisions and they choose people that, that they like. And Steve brought me in um, for a camp or two. Uh, the last one was the January camp that was before the world cup. I think it was in Orlando and it went well, but the camp went really well. And then I never got a call back from them. So I got, I got kind of had a feeling around March, April that I wasn't going to be part of the picture. Um, and then, you know, I, I got the word that that uh, Steve wanted bigger, bigger framed goalkeepers. That was his preference. So it's like, you know, if you're a center forward and coach wants to play with a target forward, you know, and there's one guy that's six foot six and there's one guy that's five foot six. Well, guess what? <laughs> guess who gets the job? You know, that's just the way the game is. So I made it kind of a mission from that point on that 
I was going to try and get back to the World Cup team. It's just, it's, it was a totally absurd thought in my head. You know, you had Tim Howard coming up at the time uh, who had been with me in, in uh, New York. And, you know, then I get traded in 2000 and have a great season in Kansas City. So I kind of felt some momentum. And then Bruce got the job. And I was actually out of the picture, but I was playing really, really well at the club level. We had a literally a broken window in New Jersey in the middle of the winter going into January camp. And I'm changing this window. I'm like in the middle, one foot out the window, one foot out, uh, uh, scraping the, the remainder of the glass off. And my phone rings and I'm looking at him like, oh, it's Bruce calling me, you know, and I'm like, God, do I pick this call up? Do I really want to have this conversation right now? You know, whatever the conversation was going to be. And then he was like, uh, I mean, you've been really good. I, I want you to come back to the national team. I was, I was stoked. And then I kind of was playing really, really well um, and eventually made the 2002 team, which was, uh, was a huge accomplishment for me, having missed out on one World Cup, having already played in two prior to that. So skipping one in that period of time, I guess not. it's not a normal progression, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was, I was happy to be part of that group. That was a good group. Yeah, and it seemed like you embraced the role of the non-starter, which isn't easy to do. Some people handle it well, some people don't. How hard was that part of being over there, Tony? Yeah, well, I think going into it, no one really knew who the starter was going to be. Bruce was really, he was really quiet about everything. Remember, I played in that game that that year in, in uh I think it was in 2001, we played Barbados. I don't know if you remember, in CONCACAF, we had that one-game knockout where we ended up having to play. And Bruce was suspended for that game. Dave Sarakin was the head coach for that game. And we were at this awful field in Barbados, and I was chosen to play. I mean, we lose that game. Whoever loses that game doesn't go to the next phase of World Cup qualifying. It was a one-off game. So I ended up playing. It was nil-nil at halftime. Right at the start of the second half, I make a really good save. I push one off the crossbar, and then we end up winning 4-0. I think Joe Max might have scored uh, two goals in that game, Joe Max Moore. Um, so I was in the picture, like, at that point. So no one really knew. And I think going into the last camp down in Carolina, right, we were playing uh, there at – was it uh, Wake Med? Is that Was that the yeah. park, right? right? Yeah. The, the training facility. That's where we trained for, I guess, three weeks before the World Cup. I think everybody thought Casey was going to be the guy. And then Bruce in that last three games leading in Uruguay, D.C., we had the Netherlands up in Boston. And I forget off the top of my head who the other game was. I think the Netherlands might have been the last of the three games. I mean, he he decided that that's what that, that Brad was his guy at that moment. I, and I think it was a little bit of a not a shock from Brad being the goalkeeper. I think it was kind of like still everything was up in the air. No one really knew <laughs> what Bruce was thinking, um, which is probably the case every day with Bruce, right? No one really knows what he's thinking, but um, he made that choice and it, it worked out for us for sure. But yeah, look, it's the role that you're given. You're part of a World Cup. And I don't think the goalkeepers really had a conversation with Bruce like year one, two, or three. I think he just kind of played it out day by day. And, and um, but yeah, I was, whatever my role was going to be, there was never a conversation that said, Hey, you're number two or you're number three or you're number one. It was just, you're one of the three goalkeepers and that's it. You know, and that's the attitude I went there with training every day, played really well in the lead up going, going to the game, played really well in training throughout the world cup. 
uh, because, you know, in MLS, we had to come back and play after that. So it's not like, you know, you weren't thinking about going to a vacation after that. You know, guys like us were, were having to come back and play. Unfortunately, I came back for like a month and then I had to have hernia operation um, when I came back from that World Cup. But yeah, I was that was that was an honor to be part of that group for sure. Here with Tony Miola, one more break on our special Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast with the great number one, Tony Miola. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your players' development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to our special Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. It's World Cup time, so we're talking with one of U.S. Soccer's World Cup legends, Tony Miola. He made three World Cup teams, and Tony, you won one MLS Cup, right? And maybe close... In another one, one in an open cup, um, you know, and we lost in the finals uh, in 2004. But I, I was I was on the bench. I didn't. Uh, I was injured leading into that game against DC United, and Bob Kanzler, uh didn't play me in that one. We lost that one, but I was part of two two uh, championship runs uh, with Kansas City. We're here with the great Tony Miola and. Tony, in this final segment, uh, it's the Thanksgiving edition, and you think about your amazing career. You know, who, who are some people that you're truly thankful for playing a, a key role in, in your career as a soccer player, as a soccer coach, as one of the best soccer analysts, I think, in the world? That's my opinion. Who are some people that uh, you're thankful to help you along the way? Well, I appreciate that. Love my parents, for sure, right? They, they make the biggest sacrifice, you know, shipping your kid out you know i'm first generation here um my parents barely spoke a word of english when i was shipped out to the university of virginia like when you live in new jersey like virginia seems like it's the other side of the world um and they had the foresight to to say you know what we think this is going to be good for our son now it's easy right and we, we have so many resources and i've been through it so it's easy for me to make a decision or help my kids make a decision on what might be good for them. My parents had no idea. They came here with nothing. And here I am. It's only, there's only four of us, my older sister and my, my parents were the only ones in the house, you know, and so thankful for them, thankful for my, my wife and kids who, um, you know, my wife, especially she's been through, um, I can't tell you how many preseasons where you're away for like, 10 weeks of the preseason and when you have small kids down the road now my kids now are 19 22 and 25 so we joke about those times now but back then you know you go away from preseason when your kid's a toddler <laughs> and up all night and you're gone for 12 weeks you're the guy going 
yeah, this is great. I can get some sleep at night, <laughs> but they're the ones at, at home. My wife is the one at home that has to deal with it. Yeah. So just, just, um, you know, just my family, my friends have been, been constant throughout my life. You know, they're, they're just, just having people around you. I think that you can trust that you can, that you can turn to, that you can have a, a conversation with, you know me, you've known me forever. I'm not into fake. Like, I don't care what car you drive. I don't care I don't, how much money. It doesn't really matter to me. Like, none of that stuff matters. I just want genuine people in my life, uh, including yourself, by the way. We, we've been friends for a long, long time. You know, I'm thankful thankful for those people in my life that are that are constants, you know, and, and just aren't around when when something is needed, you know. Which is fine too. Just that, yeah, you know, I'm I'm thankful I have people in my life that that just have general respect for each other. Well, I like that answer because I'll tell you what, I'm definitely thankful that God blessed me with the opportunity to walk into U.S. soccer at the penthouse because I didn't play soccer. And next thing you know, in '89, I'm with the women out in Santa Barbara as they're getting ready for '91. Then I'm with the Olympic team. Then I joined you, and it kind of all came full circle today on Fox when they asked Alexi Lalas about the president calling. And I know you don't remember this, but I remember it like it was yesterday because it really showed what kind of person you were and the way you treated me the entire time was just first class. Cause I was the same age as you guys, maybe even younger than, than some of those guys, definitely younger than Thomas Dulio, who I think was 55 when he played on the team. <laughs> um, but president called and he says my name Dean and I'm not going to lie. I just peed right down my leg and went to put it on speaker and you, I, I can't believe you don't remember it, but I mean, you just immediately when he called back, you got up and said, Hey, sorry, Mr. President, that was John Hart's playing a joke. And, you know, instead, <laughs> of crying, you out, man. Yeah, instead of crying, I started <laughs> laughing and that says a lot about you. Like you always kind of looked out for the staff, Tony, that's part of your makeup, right? Yeah, I was, um, I, I was staff to me they're they're the same as the team you know they're they are the team they just they don't get to run around on the field they don't that's not their job right but they they're you you and everyone else that's been in your position or other positions from equipment managers none none of it works without everybody and i i i always thought that that was normal you know to do i come to realize that not everyone thinks the same way like ever there's people that go to work and think okay you got your job you do your job well and i do my job well i just always looked at it as part of the team i've never been part of a team where at the end of the year you know when the bonuses have to get split up like we didn't split i didn't recommend splitting with everybody i just always thought it was the right thing to do plus the fact that that you were doing your job or an equipment manager was doing their job. We're all human beings, right? We just have different roles in, in that team. And that's just the way I looked at it. It's the way I always look at it. I, I it's funny you, you mentioned this because a, a young kid I'm working with um, in television recently, um, Tyler Terrence, who I called games in Chicago with, and I worked with him for a while and he's young. He's been, he's not been around. I remember telling him the first night we went in to do our first game in Chicago, I said, man, Every time you come to a game, you walk in that truck and you say hello to everybody and you thank everybody ahead of time because those guys are the ones that make you look good on TV. When you need information, you know, you, you work in this, those, they feed you information, they adjust your sound, they adjust the picture and how you look, all that stuff, right? And he thanked me like three years down the road and he said to me, I didn't know because he never really worked in a truck. He worked on calling off monitors all the time. 
And he said, I didn't realize how important it was to have those guys behind me, you know, behind us. And um, it is important to have to have everybody on the same page. And I don't I don't ever take those things for granted. Tony, the future, you and I have talked several times. I try to visit with you at least once a year and hopefully we can continue to do that. I, I mean, I, for one, think that these young people need to remember the people that paved the road and you were right there, the leader of the, the gang paving the road. What do you want to do, like Tony? Where do you see yourself down the road here? You you established yourself as an incredible analyst. You dabbled in coaching a little bit. What does the future hold for Tony Miola? I still think one day I want to get back into coaching. I don't know when that is, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be at the at the highest, you know, at the professional level. Um, it could be at any level. I always thought, Dean, that I would, and my wife tells me all the time, um, and, and it's because we've had kids now go through college. She always said, you'd be a great college coach, you know, because you relate to the kids and they think they'd like you, but I don't have a degree. So it's so it's impossible to get a college job right now without a degree. And I, so maybe finishing that one day uh, when everything settles down a little bit, you know, and, and, and getting a degree so I can get a coaching job, but in, in college, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I say that now. I guess I'm 11 years into broadcasting with the one year I coached in Jacksonville. I never, this was never in my plans to be, as a matter of fact, you know me, as much media as I had to do, I hated it. All I wanted to do was play games. Like that's all I wanted to do. I, all the other stuff would, I used to say all the time, I probably told you at some point, it's just a necessary evil, right? And for, for me in, in the game, I never, you know, I never played to win awards and I just wanted to play that. That was it. Um, so I, I, doing this is just a complete surprise. This kind of happened by accident, if you will. And I love it because I, I, I wouldn't have stayed in this as long as I have outside of the fact that I work with some real I've worked and still work with some really great people, like great people that every day you're like, man, I'm lucky. Like I get to do this. Right. Because if you're not working with great people and not enjoying what you're doing, um, then for me, it's not even worth it. But I never thought I'd be on this side of things. That's for sure. I still do think, though, that somewhere down the road, I have something to offer on the sideline. You know, and everyone, when you say that, everyone immediately thinks, oh, well, he wants to coach an MLS team. Or he wants to, yeah, I'd love to. If you give me an MLS job, I'll do my best like I can do. But I, I understand that that's not the pathway to everything, right? There's a pathway to get there. And, um, I have had the opportunity twice over the last three years to be an assistant coach in Major League Soccer, and neither opportunity was the right one. Um, so I won't just jump at it. And in, in both instances, I'm glad I didn't take the job because I learned in the Jacksonville job that, you know, don't jump at the first job. Had I not taken that job, I probably would still be in coaching somewhere. But it just is the lessons that you learn in life, right? And but I'm happy for now doing this. It gives me freedom to go see my son, who's a sophomore at Oklahoma State. He's the last one we have in college. I can't believe that college sports is going to be over soon. Like that's that, you know, I could, there were so many years I couldn't wait for college sports to start with my oldest. And then my daughter played soccer. And when you're going through, you're like, oh man, like this is going to end one day. Now I'm getting closer to the end, <laughs> you know, so I want to be able to enjoy that for sure. I, I don't know that I'd look five years down the road and tell you definitively what I want to do because I never thought I'd be in this position right now. So who knows what, what the future holds. I got to believe that Apple folks know that you're a big time talent. What do you know about 
that as you know you mentioned your broadcast partner with Chicago Fire the way I understand it is all those jobs are kind of up in the air and they might centralize things what can you share about that part of it all I know is I've had uh, I've had my interviews I think they went well I think in the very near future they're they're gonna start um, calling the people that that they want on board and I think sometime in the next week or two, uh, those calls will be sort of finalized and they'll be working on contracts. You know, so that that's really all I can tell you. I do know, um, or at least we've been told that they're going to sort of split teams up, that nothing really will look like it has. Um, so you won't have the same partner because then I'm guessing, I'm guessing they don't want the same feel because then it looks like you didn't change anything. The deal's exciting, be great to be part of. I'm hoping that it's great for the league because, as you know, I want to see this grow, this sport grow as much as anybody in the country wants to see it grow. So that's really all I can share. I mean, there's been there's been a lot of discussions behind the scenes. You know, guy, there's there's group texts going like, "Hey, did anyone call you?" And like, "No, I haven't heard anything." In weeks, you know, like we've had a lot of that discussion. But I, I think in the near future here, somebody will, you know, start making, they'll start making some announcements on things, uh, or at least they'll, I don't know when they'll make the announcement, but they they would have known who the, the people are that they're going to sort of lean on for the next couple of years. Well, I hope they lean on you because I think you're fantastic. Final question, because this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. They've been trying forever to get the 1990 team together to honor you guys, you know, the Walt Chiswick award. And I know you were thinking about getting together in January. Now I'm hearing, and that was in Florida. Now I'm hearing that some of the guys are going to the convention. Is that right or not right? Are they going to try to honor the 90 team at the convention where we are on that? I'm with you. I thought they tried to do it. And I think the one year that they finally got everybody on board might've been the COVID year two years ago. Right. Like from what I was, um, and that one might have, was that one in uh, was in San Diego? I can't remember now. But it was anyway, California, Anaheim, yeah. Oh, it was yeah. in Anaheim. Okay, and it was out west somewhere. From the responses that were coming, we were in a big group sort of chat. It seemed like the majority of the guys were going, and we were just kind of waiting on. Uh, we weren't waiting. We we were all trying to persuade uh, Gans to go, Bob Gansler to go um at the time but with COVID it was difficult and we were like at the last minute I think they canceled that like a couple maybe a week or so before we were actually supposed to go there and then this last one was in Florida Uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure I mean for me I would have went Florida I I live in Florida now so um yeah throw a free meal out and I'm there Dean <laughs> so I'm hoping that they they get together. Uh, you know, unfortunately, from that group, we we've lost two really uh, two really great human beings, and and David Vanoli a bunch of years ago, and and uh, who was my roommate, uh, who I missed dearly, and and then Jimmy Banks just uh, not too long ago. You know, so somehow I hope uh, when we do this, we find a way to honor those guys because they their their names should be known in the soccer circles for sure could listen to you all day tony miola u.s soccer hall of famer and an even better person tony miola thanks for being a great friend i still bring up your name even with kieran dalton with his big hands i'm like tony miola hands uh, <laughs> i love saying that tony thanks for making our thanksgiving show special thanks nino appreciate you man as always keep up the good work Tony Miola started the show by saying happy Thanksgiving. I end the show speaking on behalf of Jeff Van Dusen and everybody at United Soccer Coaches. To all of you, the great members of United Soccer Coaches, 
Happy Thanksgiving. We are thankful for each and every one of you. I can assure you of that. I'm also thankful for Bailey Conklin and Brandon Milburn and Erica Dyer, my main connections for the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Very thankful for my outstanding producer, Colin Thrash. The man is outstanding. And once again, I'll repeat, I'm thankful for all of you. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. In the meantime, one more time, happy Thanksgiving from all of us here at United Soccer Coaches. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.